trust the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, LawPay. The practice of law changed significantly in the past decade, and perhaps the biggest disruption arrived in March, when the coronavirus pandemic forced most lawyers to leave their offices and work remotely. There's been challenges and fears for the profession, as well as a necessity to quickly change the way something has always been done. That's hard for lawyers. As part of a special series, the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered is asking lawyers about how they've done it and what they think will come next. I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and my guest today is Karen Kaplowitz. She's a lawyer who focuses on business development strategies and coaching and is president of the new Ellis Group. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Karen, I am curious what you're seeing with lawyers and business development. Are you hearing from your contacts that perhaps a lot of them have more anxiety about getting business now than previously? Because for the most part, it seems like traditional ways of getting business are kind of frozen in most areas of the country. My observation comes from two sources. First, I work with many law firms and lawyers around the country, but I'm also an advisor to the Working Mother Best Law Firms for Women initiative. I've had the opportunity to talk to many of the law firms on that list. One of the things I would observe is that law firms that had done a good job of providing flexibility to working mothers and fathers, to working parents generally, found it easier to adapt when the pandemic hit. And all of a sudden, everyone had to work from home. For example, a firm like Morgan Lewis that had put in place an initiative in 2017 to allow 300 lawyers to work remotely was better prepared to meet the challenge of the pandemic. So it's kind of a, a, um, a curious quirk that the firms that were really good at promoting diversity and inclusion because they were accommodating working parents before the pandemic got a boost in the pandemic. Are you getting a sense, though, that some lawyers may be concerned about their own books of business? because things are just different now. Well, ab absolutely. I mean, certainly lawyers who are still on a partnership track are very concerned about what the pandemic is going to do to their prospects, become partners in their firms. And in general, to the extent that lawyers are rainmakers, and have depended on a lot of personal interaction, they've had to adapt to a, a new normal. They can't get together with their clients for lunch or coffee or drinks or dinner. Everything is done virtually. So we are dealing in a new reality, which requires people to make adaptations. Do you think for people who they are rainmakers and that's just kind of who they are, on a personal level, has it been maybe unique or perhaps sometimes challenging to get used to being home all the time and not being on the go and not meeting all these different people every day? 
Definitely. I hear that all the time from people that they were used to being on airplanes, going to see clients, meeting with people, and that they definitely miss some of that interaction. On the other hand, however, because everyone's been working from home, in some cases, people are more available and also more interested in personal interaction than they might have been before the pandemic. What's your advice? And I I agree. I think that's absolutely true, what you just said. What's your advice? Say that you want to pitch business to someone who maybe before wouldn't have had the time to speak with you. How can you figure out if he or she is available and what would be the best way to approach them so in that you're offering them something that's useful to them in the moment? Does that question make sense? Sure. Well, so what I would say is that during the pandemic, business development is not fundamentally different than pre-pandemic. And what I advise clients all the time is not to treat business development as a standalone activity. So I encourage my clients not to look so much for opportunities to pitch business, but to look for opportunities to understand what their clients need in the moment. And right now is a time in which it's really important for lawyers to have their antennas out to understand what's going on in their clients' businesses and in their clients' personal lives and ability to function in the pandemic. So if you're an attorney in private practice, what are some good ways to really figure out who needs legal services and is willing uh, to, to pay for them? So the best source of new work is from people who already know and trust you. So in many cases, what lawyers are doing during the pandemic is they're starting with the work on their desk. They're making sure that they are handling work that they're already doing in a way that is sensitive to the moment, to the particular pressures on their clients and on the lawyers within their clients. They are working on doing work in a way that puts the least burden on their clients and on other lawyers in their firm. So the whole notion of how you do your work, how you manage work, how you do things in a way that are responsive to what pressures there may be on clients is very critical during this time. And I propose to you that the lawyers who do the best job of doing work that aligns with their clients, aligns with their schedules, aligns with what works for them in this time of great pressure will enjoy more work and more client loyalty down the road. Do you have a sense if the large firms are maybe going to be more forgiving this year if 
partner's business goes down because it's been a rough year. And I, I realize probably every firm is a little different on that, but do you have an overall sense? I do think that firms will be mindful of the specific circumstances relating to both hours and business generation as they approach the end of the year evaluations and compensation decisions. But in many cases, firms are doing quite well because the pandemic created a tremendous number of new issues for companies and organizations to turn to their lawyers to handle. So there may be particular situations in which business is off, but in many cases, people are really thriving during the pandemic. What are some of those new issues? Well, we saw, for example, the need for everybody to quickly get up to speed with respect to all the regulations and financial offerings that went with the pandemic, all the financial stimulus, PPP. So one of the things that came up often for clients with whom I worked is how to manage providing information, client alerts to clients without overwhelming them. So in the, particularly in the early stages of the pandemic, what I heard on a regular basis from clients is that their clients were complaining. They were being inundated. They were being overwhelmed with client alerts from multiple law firms with whom they did business. So I have very particular advice as it relates to that kind of situation, which is don't overwhelm your clients by just putting them on every mailing list. You know, what I advise my clients to do is to be selective, to send clients materials from their firm that are relevant. For example, instead of just inundating them with everything that the firm is putting out, to say, here's a particular client alert that I think might be helpful to you because I know that you are evaluating bankruptcy or layoffs or changes in compensation or new financing or whatever the particulars are in the particular situation. And you're someone, you do business all over the country helping people. What has your business development looked like and how has it changed since the pandemic started? So I don't get to see my clients as often as I used to. I work outside of New York and used to go to New York at least once or twice a week to see clients in New York in person. I've always made it a policy when I work with new clients to try to meet them at least once in person. And I haven't been on an airplane since March, so I haven't had the opportunity to meet people face to face. But in general, I would say that my clients have been very thoughtful and strategic about how to manage the pandemic. Another thing that I'm seeing is an incredible sensitivity on the part of clients with whom I work to be thoughtful of their clients and their colleagues. 
So what we are seeing in law firms is much more awareness of the pressures that some lawyers deal with in both managing children as well as older relatives for whom they have caregiving responsibilities. We're we're seeing a sense of care and empathy and people being tuned in that is really emphasized and enhanced by the you know communal crisis we've suffered. Do you think this flexibility you've mentioned in terms of letting people work from home and just being more sympathetic when people have personal issues that might get in the way of their nine to five work time, is that going to stick with us? Do you think when this is all over? Or are we going to be back to where some places were in the first place? Is, you know, you had to have FaceTime and your work was above everything else, period. I think many aspects of the flexibility we've all had to embrace working from home will persist forever because everyone now knows they have the capacity to manage very substantial projects, litigation, transactions, working remotely. So that's going to be embedded in the future of law firms and corporate law departments forever. I do worry that there will be some fallout down the road as some people have more ability to return to offices and to get involved in travel and in-person meetings more readily than others. And I do worry that that will have the effect of creating two classes of lawyers, those who are in the office and have more interactive capacity in those personal settings and those who don't have as much flexibility. But I haven't seen the uh, outcome yet. We're going to have to measure that as time goes on. What are some things you miss the most about life before the pandemic? You know, I miss the opportunity to get together with people flexibly and especially in restaurants for meals. I'm, I'm having food fatigue in not having as much access to restaurant food and to the kind of easy camaraderie that happens over a meal or over a drink. But, mm-hmm. you know, relative to staying safe, that's a minor thing to give up. Are there some things that you don't miss that maybe you didn't even realize you didn't like that much and you learned during the pandemic is like, oh, maybe that wasn't so great? You know, not so much because I've had the pleasure of working remotely from outside of New York with lawyers all over the country, you know, for 10 years. So a lot of my work was remote to start with. So You know, I I wouldn't say that there's anything dramatic that I miss. And in the meantime, I've had to learn all these new skills like Zoom meetings and creating video events, Mm. online virtual events. That's a new skill set I've had to learn. I see. 
let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some of those video events or webinars. Those are quite popular now. So we'll discuss that when we get back. As the ability to accept payments online becomes an increasingly essential part of your practice, LawPay provides your firm with a proven and trusted solution. With LawPay, you receive a simple, secure way to accept client credit cards and e-check payments from anywhere. LawPay understands unique compliance requirements placed on attorneys, which is why their solution was developed specifically to correctly separate earned and unearned fees and protect the IOLTA accounts from any third-party debiting, giving you peace of mind that your transactions are always handled correctly. Visit lawpay.com ABA to learn more. And we're back. I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, and you're listening to the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered. As part of a special series, we're looking at how lawyers are dealing with professional and personal changes brought by the coronavirus. Joining me today is Karen Kaplowitz, a lawyer whose work focuses on business development strategy and coaching. So, Karen, since the pandemic started, it seems like webinars, while they were already popular, they've really picked up. What I've noticed is there's been some really great webinars during all this because, as you said earlier, people have more time available to speak at them and travel is not an issue. Are you finding that as well? Absolutely. And one of the things that I've observed is that in some cases, the quality of programming and content has improved. In many cases, webinars, for example, are not live. They're recorded, which helps create higher quality. The other thing that's really fabulous about our new online lives is that things can reach a broader range of people. So for example, Working Mother in September hosted an awards program for the 60 law firms on the best law firms for women uh, list of 2020. And we were able to include in the audience lawyers from all over the country. We used to gather in person in a wonderful setting in Chicago each year. But this year's program was able to attract many more people and from a much broader range of geographies. What are some ways to come up with an online event that your clients and potential clients will really enjoy? The answer to that is pretty much the same as pre-pandemic, except that it's important to pay attention to all of the professionals, understand what you need from a technology standpoint. Are you in an appropriate space? Are you in a place where you'll be able to have a good recording and do all the things that you need to to be effective online? So that's that's for starters. You know, the other kinds of questions are who's participating? Are you able to include a distant client who wouldn't otherwise have been available to be in an on in-person event with you? Is that an opportunity? Is that a terrific business development opportunity to collaborate with a client or a prospective client to discuss an important subject? Those are some of the things that I think go into creating 
good webinar activities. I have heard about some trade groups will offer the chance to host a webinar for a fee, and it's usually a four-figure fee. Do you think it's a good idea to do that, or can you just get the same result putting together your own webinar? So the value of paying a trade association or a bar association to host a webinar is that you attract a broader audience. So the answer to that question is, what kind of audience does your firm or the participants in your webinar start with? Can you distribute information about your upcoming webinar on social media effectively so that you don't have to do a pay-to-play activity? The pay-to-play scenarios are with us to stay because many organizations have really developed outstanding outreach and can attract a really meaningful audience. I see. Are you also hearing about lawyers doing smaller events online? Like maybe they would have a Zoom, instead of going out to dinner with 10 friends, maybe they would have a Zoom call with 10 friends with no specific agenda other than to catch up. Absolutely. There is a tremendous outpouring of creativity to create opportunities for people to socialize with one another. And one of the things that I find really interesting is that some organizations have terrific technology that allows for breakout rooms. So, for example, I spoke to a meeting of the Houston Garland Walker in of court a week or so ago. And in addition to having a panel discussion, they had breakout rooms in which a court reporting organization had assigned all of the hundred people who were in attendance at the meeting to 10 separate breakout rooms just flawlessly so that people could get together in small groups and talk to one another in a more intimate setting. So there's there's a lot of that going on. You know, people are having drinks together. We we hear about quarantinis, for example. You know, so so a lot of that is going on. I think it's really important for people as well as an actual opportunity to pay attention to people in their networks, both clients and colleagues who may be socially isolated, I know that that is a really big focus of many law firms. Law firms are trying to identify lawyers and staff people who may otherwise fall through the cracks during the pandemic and may be experiencing some social isolation. You know, that's something to be really mindful about if there are people either clients or colleagues who may have some isolation. They live alone, for example. Those are people to pay special attention to during this pandemic. Yeah. If you have advice, I think these breakout rooms sound very interesting. What's your advice for making small talk online with people you don't know in a breakout room? Because I can see where, if especially if lawyers weren't expecting that, that might kind of take them off guard. 
Uh, that's a very good question. So I think in general, people have to be careful in their interactions with people, not to put people on the spot. You know, so for example, there's much more attention to people's personal space and their personal family situations. You know, people are observing their colleagues and clients' homes and families. And I think it's really important to be careful and to ask questions that show concern, but that are not intrusive. So you can ask people how they are, and that might give them the opening to tell you that they've been under a lot of pressure because they have children whose schooling they have to oversee, for example, because they're in remote school environments without saying, do you have any kids that you have to deal with at home? You know, so it's the difference between giving people permission to share personal information and being intrusive. I see. That's really good advice. Do you think there's things about networking and business development for lawyers that may never be the same again after the pandemic? Yes and no. So I think that the idea of networking by going to large gatherings where you hope to meet new people who will be good prospective clients is overrated. So that losing the opportunity to do a lot of random networking may be lost when we have fewer of such gatherings, but I don't know that it's a big loss. You know, so I, I am long a proponent of being more intentional about networking activities. So if somebody's going to a meeting, for example, I always recommend that they have a game plan. You know, is there somebody they can join at the meeting, meet at the meeting, and prepare with in advance to work the room and meet new people? I recommend that people have people in mind that they want to see and perhaps reach out to them in advance to get together with them ahead of time or afterwards or at the bar. So, yes, there will be some loss of you know, sort of random networking activities, but those aren't the best to start with. So in the long run, we will have some limitations, but we will have new opportunities. We'll have a culture in which people have more freedom to call somebody and say, or send them a note and say, it's been a lot of years since we've talked. How are you? How are you faring? I just read about whatever's going on in your community, whether it's the pandemic or wildfires or hurricanes or flooding, and I'm just checking in with you. You know, there is that kind of interaction that we maybe didn't have before so much. So that's going to offset some of the loss of the more random networking opportunities. Are you seeing that perhaps lawyers who tend to see themselves as introverts and maybe not so great at business development actually do better in the virtual setting than in person and it's easier for them? Well, I think introverts can be enormously successful 
on business development because the most essential skill set for business development is being analytical and thoughtful about what clients and prospective clients need. It's not about selling what you do. It's about understanding what people need that you can help with. And to the extent that people are tuning in and being thoughtful and inquisitive about what people need, they can be introverts or extroverts. You know, having an extroverted personality, a sales type personality is not necessary for being a successful rainmaker. Often it's the people who are introverts and analytical and thoughtful and respectful who do the very best. Got it. And that's everything I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me, Stephanie, and for asking such terrific questions about how people are functioning during the pandemic. Of course. And listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered.